I'm Nikki Kristoff, and welcome to Teched Up. This week, I'm talking to Patrick Lenahan about Grindr, the world's largest social networking app for LGBTQ people. Founded in 2009, the iconic startup is finding itself in the mainstream business press as they've announced they're about to go public. We talk about the business and the mission of the company. One quick note, Patrick and I discuss a feature that will be added into Grindr soon, but it's not going live for another couple of weeks. Listen, this isn't 60 Minutes, but we do try to be accurate on the pod. On with the show. Today on the podcast, we have Patrick Lenahan calling in from Provincetown, Massachusetts. Thank you. How are you, Nikki? I'm doing well. And I have to say, I love all of my guests equally, but I think I love you a little bit more because we go way back. Way back. You hired me. I hired you at Google, what, a decade ago? (laughs) <laughs> like probably, yeah, around that. A long time well, ago. You hired, me, you hired me from the Mountain View office to come out to D.C. You brought me to the swamp. I brought you to the swamp. I brought you to Washington. And then you left us from Google. You went to Goldman Sachs, which is an unusual move for someone yeah. in tech, but is going to be relevant to what we talk about today. Yes, indeed. Which is your new job. I'm at Grindr, I, which is not something I ever thought I'd say, but actually makes sense in a, in a bizarre way. I run I run communications at Grinder, and that just means, you know, media relations, internal comms. I do investor relations. I do some policy. I help the market out the marketing team. I do partnership stuff. We should tell people what Grinder is. Grinder is the largest social networking app for gay, bi, lesbian, and transgender people. It's a dating app, casual dating, hookup, sex. As with all things relating to the LGBTQ community, sort of has a core of sexuality. So I'm just going to address that up front because some people are like, you're dancing around the fact that sex is involved in Grindr. And I want to be very clear that no, we're not, or at least I'm not. There's like no question. Have you seen any of our marketing? Like we know what's going on here. Yeah. And we care about gay people because they're our entire user base. And it's about sex. But it's yeah. about a lot more than sex. And to just just try and boil it down to sex is like very, very frank, like a little it's a narrow minded view. But for our listeners who are not on gay dating apps or dating apps at all, give it a Google because it is clear that sex is part of it. But I will say mm-hmm. my closest friend from college met his husband on Grinder. You wouldn't believe people come out of the woodwork. A little more background for any yes. uninitiated is it was founded in 2009. This is an app from 2009. It's really one of, if not the first geospatial social network ever, right? We effectively invented this construct. And it's what it is, is it, it's not it's not swiping. We're not this is not Tinder or Match or Bumble or whatever. This is, which are all great, wonderful apps like fantastic. We love them. I love, you know, my my counterparts over there. Grinder, Grinder doesn't do the the stack of cards and swiping. What we are, are it's it's just a grid of profile pictures in decreasing proximity from you, right? So oh. it's the closest people to you, and then you scroll, and the farther you scroll, the farther away you get, right? But it's literally just like the people around you right now on the app, and you can put up a profile picture, and you can add some profile text, and you can fill out some fields. You can include as little or as much information as you want. So oh, yeah. the app is rooted in proximity. Proximity, yeah. It's a proximity app. It's just who's around you. And that's actually the, the incredible thing about it, right? And why I get so passionate about it, because it is, it, it does actually, it has the potential to foster incredible local community. It's literally the people around you at the time. 
And you can go traveling. And actually, one of the biggest use cases we've got is people using it to sort of jump ahead to where they're going to be this coming weekend. It's literally just about connecting people. It's really very simple technology. It's There's not a whole lot you know, to it. It's not overcomplicated. And it has stayed more or less the same since 2009. Our current ownership group bought it in 2020, right? Took control of the company in June 2020, installed sort of some a transitional leadership team who are these amazing guys from Catapult Capital in, in San Francisco and, and minority investors. They came in, they're, ex, they're all ex-Yahoo and have founded companies before. And they basically just dealt with a ton of tech debt that we had from previous ownership who hadn't invested sort of in the way you needed to, retooled the whole back end of the app. And then in 2021, really started to like take it forward and make it much more modern. And and anyone who's been using the app will, will have noticed that the user experience and all of that has increased or has improved significantly in the last couple of years. And we intend to continue to make it better. Actually, I mentioned to someone that you were coming on the podcast last night and he said, oh, isn't Grindr owned by a Chinese investor. And I said, no, they divested because people are really freaked out by people. I mean, me (laughs) (laughs) information being shared with the CCP in China. And actually that was divested. So you're not owned by a Chinese investor. So the company was founded by a guy named Joel Simkai in 2009, and he ran it until pretty much up until 2018, at which point he sold it to a Chinese gaming company called Kunlun, who pretty much after the transaction closed, the CFIUS, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, which is the Department of the Treasury. And I feel like your listenership will actually know who they are. Yes. Um, been in the news a lot because of TikTok. But the the CFIUS forced a, div- forced a divestment. And as far as I know, it's one of the first sort of instances of that happening. In any event, so the company was sold by Kuhn and a group of a consortium of American investors bought it. Funnily enough, my very first day on the job at the beginning of January or sort of end of January, it was literally, it's like a Monday. I get on my email for the first time and already I got, I had, I was flooded with inbounds from press. They were saying like, they were asking like, why did the, did the Chinese take you off, off of the app store in China? Like, like you're not on the app store in China, the Chinese take you off. It was, it was the, the Olympics. Oh. And so the narrative sort of built very quickly. It's like, you know, China delists grinder from app store, you know, and push for, you know, cleansing ahead of the Olympics. That wasn't true at all. Actually, what had happened was the week prior, like the very week before I got there, we had, we had delisted from the Chinese app store because we didn't feel comfortable complying with the new Chinese data privacy laws, which we don't actually think do a whole lot to protect our users. Definitely um, not. And yeah. bravo to you and no, more people should. Did. Yeah, that's yeah. what we did. I definitely toward the end want to talk about what's happening with the business because there is some big news and you guys are looking at soon at going public. But I also want to back up a little bit and talk about the app itself. So I did not know it was proximity based. Mm-hmm. I actually think that's a great feature because on other dating apps, you text for a million years and never get together and it's just this like slow drain <laughs> draining process whereas if you're like oh someone's 10 feet away you're probably <laughs> going to meet up very quickly we we think that it encourages that there's definitely still these long drawn out text conversations that happens that's i think human nature on that of when we're communicating through the black glass cubes on our you know in our hands but, but yeah i do we do think it sort of gets people together 
Yeah. I, which I didn't know. And then I'm going to now pitch. Anybody can take this as an idea, but I have an idea for a dating app, which is just photos and your Uber rating, <laughs> which I actually think is all you need to know. <laughs> That's it. I think it would have saved me a lot of heartache if I had looked at someone's Uber rating before dating them in my previous life. <laughs> oh, no. Like, oh, this is actually what, what low Uber rating people were you dated? We we will have to. This is a conversation. We this is, this is a I don't conversation. Know. Listeners, what do you call your listenership? Listeners, are you interested in hearing more about Nikki's Uber rating? <laughs> the the Uber lowest rating. Uber rate dates I've ever had. I mean, it's really telling. Okay, so back to Grinder. One of the things you're working on that I think is really interesting, especially because our audience is heavily based in Washington is monkeypox outbreak and how you're doing work with the government on vaccinations, how that specifically impacts your users, people who are on the app and what you guys are doing. Cause I know you are, that's something you're working on. Totally. So public health is something that has been top of mind. I, I hate to say top of mind, but it, it, it's crucially important to LGBTQ people. One, because it's really tough to access really good health care and huge shout out to the Walter Whitman Clinic in D.C., like phenomenal work. That's where I went when I was in D.C. They really do great stuff. Callum Lord in New York is the same. Just absolutely wonderful work. But but public health is a real issue for LGBTQ people. When monkeypox first broke, it was I, I want to say it was the beginning of May. We in Grindr, we were immediately aware. I have a colleague whose name is Jack Harrison Quintana, who is based in D.C. He founded and runs a group at Grinder called Grinder for Equality, and they are Grinder's social good arm. They do incredible work in public health and, you know, supporting gra- grassroots LGBTQ activists around the world, particularly in the Middle East and in places where, you know, where it's basically harder to get money as, as gay groups, right? The U.S. is flooded with gay money. A lot of other places in the world, not not quite as much. So so Jack does amazing work. He's incredibly plugged in. And I think within like a week of the monkeypox story breaking, he was already talking to the European CDC. And it was, I think, just a few weeks after that, sort of late May, we started sending messages to our users in the UK and Europe. And then very shortly thereafter to the users in the US in concert with public health groups. So in the UK, it was the UK Health and Safety Administration. And in Europe, it was the European CDCs. And in the US, it was a group called Building Healthy Online Communities, which was formerly part of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation and now is independent. We started working with those groups to send messages to our users warning them about the risks of monkeypox and directing them to resources. We're a social network app, right? Like, What can we really do other than connect people with our user base? And so we we worked really closely with all of these groups. We started working with groups in Canada, the US CDC, others. And it was then in late June or early July. And we were just realizing like there's there's no access to vaccines. Right. Like there are not enough vaccines. People are freaking out. The, the case count is going way up, particularly in the U.S. I was sitting in province, up here in Provincetown with a friend of mine, State Senator Julian Sear, who is absolutely phenomenal. You'll have seen him in the news this past week after Ron DeSantis sent about, you know, two planes full of migrants to Martha's Vineyard. He represents Martha's Vineyard. He jumped. Julian jumped on that right away. He is he's doing incredible work to to organize to organize help for those people. So great guy. So anyway, we're sitting on a park on a bench in Provincetown and we're just like this we have to do something about this. Massachusetts was already doing a phenomenal job of getting vaccines to Provincetown where tons of gay men were and getting those, you know, getting people their shots. But we were hearing from people all over the country like this just isn't happening fast enough. So 
we talked to, so we made a couple of calls. We called Dan Baer, who you know. Who's oh, I do. Endowment. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And Dan is joining Grinder's board. Oh, um, Dan anyway. and I went to college together. Oh, yeah. Here we are just name dropping. I, I was going to say, like, I hope it's okay, because I love to just talk about the amazing do stuff it. that people yeah, are doing. Yeah, it's so great. dropping Hype. names like left and right. Hype people. These are people who need to be hyped. Dan and, and I went to college together, and I'm good friends with his sister, who's a cybersecurity expert at Amazon. <gasps> we love cyber. Yeah, we love, we love it. cyber. That's awesome. So anyway, Dan, Dan starts texting people, connects us. I mean, I think it was within a week. You know, after after we started just like saying, like, we have to do more, we have to do more within, I think, a week of that, Jack Harrison Quintana and I on a phone call with the National Security Council with their director of biohazard and public health safety talking about our, well, what's going on, what's happening and how can we help? The end of the, the story is, like you know, it, it, this isn't rocket science. It's like get people vaccines, get people access to testing and get people the information. And Grindr can really help with that last mile of getting people information. I would say one other thing I would add, and you tell me if this is right, but I think it's to me, it's obviously not at the scale, certainly of the HIV epidemic, but it is not different in the sense that I do think it's got stigma. Oh, yeah. I think the name monkeypox needs a rebrand. Who wants to get that? No. And I also think it's something where people are thinking, well, because it's starting first in this community, maybe it's not going to affect me. But hi, this is like how public health works. It eventually becomes broader what i will say is that it has not seen i'm not disclaimer not a public health expert i am a comms person right so like first and foremost don't don't think of this as any sort of health advice but from what i understand talking to the experts it, it hasn't seemed to have jumped significantly outside of men who have sex with men and it does seem primarily to have stayed within that population Case counts right now are going down, and I would defer to, you know, uh, Dr. Dimitri Duskalakis over at, at the CDC. He's currently the, the deputy coordinator on the monkeypox issue, is appointed by, by President Biden. Amazing, amazing guy. But he's probably the person you want to ask about, like, the, why this is happening. I think it's because we've got access to vaccines, but case counts are going down. They never seemed to jump out of men who have sex with men. So, you know, there, but there was a lot of consternation, right, in July. And even in August, we did not know. We really didn't know what was happening. You know, we weren't sure what how it was going to go. We didn't know if it was going to get worse. All we knew was, right, this is continuing to really, you know, to, to really spread among men who have sex with men. We have to get them. We have to get them vaccinations. And we have to get them vaccines. And we have to, right, and we only have a limited number of vaccines. So there was this whole, like, fascinating thing where, like, they ended up, instead of doing intramuscular shots, they did intradermal shots for which you need to use less of the actual vaccine so you could spread it out over many people. Which, really, really smart, cool stuff. Yes, I know. And here I am as like the Debbie Downer, who <clears throat> I also am not a public health expert, but we have bungled the national strategic stockpile in like a terrible way because we used to have 20 million smallpox vaccines mm-hmm. on hand. And then the FDA spent 10 years sort of like, I don't know, taking, this is so rude, taking smoke breaks and like, 
<laughs> looking at their hands and did not approve a new, better freeze-dried vaccine that would last longer. So those doses expired. Mm-hmm. And so they're currently testing them to see if they can use them so we have enough. And then I guess we have raw elements of the vaccine that we need, but it's in Copenhagen. Anyway, I'm just like, <laughs> this is, <laughs> I'm not a public health expert, to, but to me it, is, it seems- it's fascinating. It's so fascinating. It is. And, and in the defense of the people doing this, they were more worried about smallpox. And at the time this was starting, when we thought about these stockpiles, 9-11, which we just passed the anniversary of, anthrax. And so it's like you can't think about everything at once. And then monkeypox came out of nowhere. So anyway, I just say that because I think it's important to have the context of sort of public health and these pandemics and how they evolve or epidemics and how they jump and getting on top of it right away is so critical. And I think the work you're doing, which is getting to the population that's most impacted quickly and getting information, that's how you get on top of this so it doesn't become a bigger yeah. issue. And what are, I think what, just my personal perspective was like, I was very frustrated. Like I am hearing from all of these people. They're really concerned. They're worried. They're, there's there's like palpable fear and, and, and a dearth of information. And what we found, I was like, but I got, I got to think that the gays in government are on this and we're just not getting the word out effectively. And that's why Jack and I, and a bunch of us, we were just like, we got to talk to some people and start to get, start to disseminate this because that will deescalate, get, make people a little bit less concerned and know that help is on the way. And lo and behold, that has been, yo, know, I, I, I believe pretty true. Now, I haven't seen numbers recently. The last time I looked, it looked as if white men were getting this vaccine at much higher rates than black and brown people around the country. So there's a great deal more to do to make sure that everybody gets vaccinated and everybody is safe and taken care of. And I think Grindr is still is doing a lot of work to help get information in that last mile to people about where can you get vaccinated and why should you get vaccinated? You have an in-app feature that you've just announced. Yes, literally. I think it should be rolling out this week. And for a long time, as I said, public health is top of mind. Again, I hate that phrase, but it's top of mind for LGBTQ people, particularly gay men after the AIDS crisis. HIV status is an important question, right? It's something that we communicate about. We are encouraged to, and I encourage people to ask their sexual partners, new sexual partners about HIV status before they have sex. And to get tested regularly, it's super important. Good sexual health is crucial. To encourage that, we've for a long time had a profile field that lets people disclose their HIV status on, on Grinder, And that's just been, been helpful for the conversation. It's something that the community is needed. We are making a change such that now you will, instead of just HIV status, we're now actually going to have a profile field that in, allows people to communicate their vaccination status on meningitis, monkeypox and it and and COVID-19. So you're getting information out to people. This isn't necessarily activism, but getting people information they need, helping them make more informed decisions and also just allowing quickly, oh, I'm 10 feet away from someone and I know that they're being as cautious as I am by using the vaccine. So I think this is great. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, you do not have to fill out this field. You do not have to. It's totally up to you. But it's something that people are talking about. We actually, our approach to product development and AJ Balance, who's our chief product officer, is, is super thoughtful about this. Is you know, the app because it's so flexible. Often users are telling us how they want to use the app with the de- adaptations they're making. So in the profile text field, we were just seeing people saying, you know, oh, I have three X 
monkeypox or I have they have three X COVID nineteen and two X monkeypox shots and like for all of that. So we're like, all right, well maybe we should just build a, a profile field so people can do this really easily, um, and that's what we're doing. And, and just so simplify it. Yeah. Now just add their it. yeah add their Uber rating and you'll be Uber all set. Rating. I honestly I'm going to bring that back to people and ask if we should put. That I'm in telling here. you, it's an indicator of people's. Character. I think I'm going to have to call Uber. We can do a little and then maybe. <laughs> Maybe we can do a product <laughs> partnership whereby like and Lyft and you Lyft. can call an Uber or a Lyft, right, to take you to your date. OK, let's shift and end on you guys have big business news happening. You just announced a new big CEO. Business. It's big business it's news. True. It is big business. It's totally news. true. It's true. It's the, the best part is it can be fun because it's grinder. It should be fun. I mean, the amazing thing about grinder is that it is sort of this like it is like a it's an important and historically relevant thing, but like, and it's important for the community and we need to take it seriously, but like authentically speaking, like it also has to be fun because it's grinder. So we're, so we announced in May that we're going public via SPAC. That deal is sort of expected to close before the end of the year. We're really excited about it. I am thinking about, you know, sort of how many drag queens we can get at the bell ringing and and ahead of that, you know, so the, the current management team, the CEO, COO, and CFO are straight, and they've always wanted, the ownership group and the management team have always wanted to pass it on to have an, a, a member of the community who is the CEO and running mm-hmm. the company. And we found the, the person, the name is George Arison. He is formerly the CEO of Shift Technologies, which is, which is an end-to-end car trading technology platform. And... He's he's just, you know, he's stepped back from his duties there and he's going to be joining us as the CEO of Grindr at the end of October. It's absolutely amazing. We also announced a new CFO, Vanna Krantz, who comes to us most recently from Passport. She was the CFO of Masterclass. She was the CFO of Disney Streaming Services. I mean, we are like ready to go here. It's a great business. It's got an amazing social mission. We've got awesome people and and I mean, oh, I could go on for hours and hours about all of the care we take to keep our users safe and to protect their privacy, which are two things that people don't think of when it comes to Grindr, but there's tons of misinformation out there. So anyway, I I just, I get super stoked about this thing, but it's my job to get super stoked about it. It absolutely is. And I, I'm actually, I know I said big business news like that, but I, it is because (laughs) to your point. So last year, 2021, a ton of companies went public that had no path to profitability. You could not understand their business model. Some of them, because of the macroeconomics, it was a huge IPO, but then a drop off once, yep. you know, you sort of faced reality and not like a consensual hallucination about their financials. But you have a business model. It's clear how you make money. It's clear that you're growing. And I know you can't talk numbers because you guys are probably in a quiet period, but we're talking $2 billion potential IPO. It's a big step for grinder and we've got match group has gone public and bumble has gone public and i think this is this is one to watch yeah absolutely i mean we have those two clear comps in the market we think that some we know our margins are best in class and yeah we're again we're we are a profitable company a significantly profitable company we are growing our ebitda margins are great you know it's it's it is just it's a very good and healthy business we have a clear path to growth over the next several years. We're so psyched just to work really, really hard for our users, which is the most important thing. The user base that we serve are going to be, people are going to be talking about them, right? LGBT people are talked about quite a bit. Uh, 
used as unfortunately uses a wedge issue a lot in politics and and so and we're going to stand by them every chance that we get and just stand up for them and and do what we can to make sure that we're protecting lgbtq rights i love it i love the idea of having some drag queens there at the bell ringing right and also i'm i'm grateful for you coming on because i think a lot of our listeners unless they're in this world they're going to start seeing more and more headlines about grinder they now know what it is and what the backstory is and so even though this is an app that's been around since 2009 i think it's having a breakthrough moment and i think you know someone who was at google and then goldman sachs and then startups and now doing this you're like perfectly positioned so i'm delighted for you well, and i'm sending you lots you. of luck for a for a big and successful ipo nikki thank you so much you're such a you're such a wonder thank you for having me on yeah the, the, the only consistency in my career honestly has been that i i work for companies that start with the letter g george <laughs> georgetown google <laughs> goldman sachs grinder what's next i'm gonna be a grinder for a while okay good thank you for coming on patrick thank you nikki Thanks so much for listening. In our next episode, we're back to digital assets in a conversation with the general counsel of Ripple. It's another company you've probably seen in the headlines, but are about to see a lot more of as their lawsuit with the U.S. government picks up steam. Finally, if you have a moment and you like this podcast, please consider giving the show a rating or a review as it helps other people discover TechDot. 